0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf but hey. Eh?
1: Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. The only 3-2 comeback we'll be talking about on this episode is our victory away at Villa Park this season. I hope you've gone over the uh, defeat to Leeds uh, the other week. i got with me tonight, Tom. Cheltenham, Tom. Hello, nice to see you. Uh, and also, posh also.
2: Tom. I did listen to the last podcast, you, the posh Tom. I mean, anything south of the West Midlands seems posh, but I'll take it.
1: Yeah, there's Hard Angle Tom and uh, Cheltenham Tom slash Posh Tom. And as, as people have hopefully seen today, we've got a special guest with us. Former Wars legend, now podcast rival, maybe? <laughs> no, Down
0: never. Dangerous Dave
1: Edwards. How are we doing, Dave?
0: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: No, it's, it's good to have you on. I've been um, consuming your podcast in the stiffs quite regularly over the... Uh, the last week, I finished the uh, best and worst players episodes on my commute home from uh, work today. How are you finding that world, you, Sam, and uh, Gav? Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's really good. So, we, we just started it just as uh, sort of three mates who played together and for a well, while. Let's just give it a go. We can tell some old stories. Our idea was we just go down the pub, have a few drinks, and have a chat. But you quickly realize there's a hell of a lot more that goes into it than that. So it's kind of consumed our our lives a little bit trying to get it all sorted. Luckily, we've got um, a guy who used to work at Shrewsbury who was head of media, a guy called Ian Whitfield, along to basically show us how to do it all. And he helps with the editing and and the video stuff. So um, it's, it's been really good, really enjoyable. But I didn't realize how much work goes into it, as you guys will be well aware of.
1: Yeah, we've been doing it for—I mean, I've been doing it for what classes too long now. And the Walls Fancast <laughs> has been going since two thousand and seven, just before you joined Walls Day. So that's how—that's yeah. how literally how long we've been going. It's quite—we <laughs> were niche before niche even podcasts I was even
0: existed. Say you were the proper early adopters, aren't you?
1: Yeah, we were sort of slating you guys before you even realised <laughs> what podcasts were, were even about. Um, <sighs> It's been sort of an international break, which I'm not really a fan of. What, what about yourself, Tom? Yeah, I mean,
2: it's it's I'm I'm pretty fickle when it comes to these these types of things. I mean, obviously, when it comes to a big, big major tournament, you get on board. But I think I watched the first 10, 20 minutes of the Ivory Coast match last night. And then my small daughter started crying and I kind of just switched off. And I think I checked the score about lunchtime today, but... But Dave, Wales Wales did well last week, didn't they? That bail free kick was brilliant. And there's something about the Welsh
0: team that you kind of can't help but get behind. They're the the good-time boys, aren't they, really? Yeah, I think that makes it an exciting international break. I always think with with England, even the qualifiers, because they're expected to win, the games can be very dull, can't they? And the atmosphere inside Wembley never seems overly great for those sort of games, especially when it's too friendly. Whereas Wales, I think, I don't know, just something different, being a smaller stadium and us massively punching above our weight over the last sort of seven or eight years. Um, and I must say, Thursday night, it was it was the best atmosphere I've ever been in. And that's through my whole career, playing, watching, everything. It was just unbelievable. And obviously, when Gaz turned up and put those two goals in as well, it just made it extra special.
1: I did listen to, obviously, your best and worst players episode today, Dave. And like you just mentioned in there, Gareth Bale, he's, he's literally... he's. He's so extraordinary. I think that's another reason why fans of, of the Welsh community so get so buzzing for see the national side, because he's, he's sort of a once-in-a-lifetime player, isn't
0: he? He is. He's, he's the best player to ever play for Wales. I think he's sort of ahead of... I know Giggs has won a lot of domestic trophies, but I think he's he's done a lot more worldwide or European especially than, than Ryan Giggs. And that, as an actual player... I think he has the ability to carry a team which no other Welsh person has been able to do before. We're, I don't want to be sort of too down on us, but we are a pretty average team, but who sets themselves up really well, are coached extremely well, but who have a real sort of patriotism, sort of die for the cause. But then you sprinkle Gareth Bale into that, and all of a sudden, we've got Sonic win a game for us. We've got the likes of Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, these sorts of players who are, are up there as well. But without Gareth Bale, we would just be a good team. Um, it, would, it would it would compete and we'd get some draws and a few wins. But Gareth Bale just takes you to that next level. He, yeah, as you saw on Thursday night, without him, we probably don't win that game.
1: I've do a lot of coverage now for the um, the Welsh national side. Um, is there? Apart from, it's a bit difficult to. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are Wales literally one of those countries that can be anyone on their day.
0: Is that I, what it's I all really
1: about? Going getting get get to quarter is literally. Is there any team that you if you, you think Wales come up against and think, we, we, we there's no way we're not winning this. Or no, there's I, no, I way think we can win we'd
0: always give we'd always give ourselves a puncher's chance because I think we stay in games. I think we. As, as a team and the strategy which the Chris Coleman did and Rob Page does now is all about being solid. We do play some good stuff, but it's about being solid, not conceding many goals, and then you just hope that an Aaron Ramsey or a Gareth Bale. Um, a few younger lads, to be fair, now coming into it, the likes of Harry Wilson, um, Brendan Johnson at Forest is, is real lively. We've got a few players now who can go and do something a little bit special at the other end. Um, and that's why I think we've always got a chance. You can you can see that in 2016, um, even in the last Euros, we we always give Belgium a game. We see to play, seem to play them all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't think we're a team that the big ones would really want to play because it is a, a real banana skin for them.
1: I'm, uh, I started to feel my age when I watched the Nottingham Forest versus uh, Liverpool FA Cup tie the other day when I realised that David Johnson was Brennan Johnson's dad.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Let's let's quickly get back to the second because obviously yeah. you did an episode with um Connor Cardi recently. Yeah. uh featured for England the weekend in a two one win against Switzerland. Does it still sort of shock you how far he's gone?
0: Oh, it's it's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. I actually I actually played golf with um John Ruddy today, and, and um. We spoke we were speaking about it, Connor, and it's just his his rise has just been incredible. And of course there's a little bit of luck in it being right place, right time, right manager, all them sort of things. But he's grasped it with, with both hands and he is firmly Wolves captain now, sort of the the one of the main men at Wolves, purely on, on what he does on the football pitch, which is is amazing. You can only get yourself so far by being a good lad, a good talk, all those things. You've got to have the ability on the pitch, and Connor showing that week in week out. I think fans would sort have of questioned him over the last couple of years: is he going to be able to maintain it? Can we bring in better centre halves? And I just think he gets he gets better and better each season, and he's becoming irreplaceable. And he goes far beyond what you can do on the football pitch for Wolves. I think what he does for the whole football club, in terms of off the pitch, the way he talks about it. He just—I think every club in the Premier League would like a Conor Cody as their captain, just because he brings the whole community together that much. He really is um, um, the, the the best person Wolves could have um, leads in it. I do think all the fans really appreciate that. Um, say, and but he has to do it on the pitch as well. It's not say you can easily just be a good guy off it and do all the right things, but doing it on the pitch is important, and, and he's definitely doing that
1: setting standards and, and professionalism that's where it's pretty much where, like where he's got to. I mean, obviously you, like, you mentioned a, a bit of luck but since Wolves went to that three at the back he's really made that position his own and I don't think there's really a, a centre-back in the Premier League that could be trusted to do that role better than him. Obviously you got Virgil Van Dijk like Zoom so and just head and shoulders better defensively but I don't, I don't think there's a better player in the Premier League to play that centre-back role in the three Tom.
2: Yeah no I I agree. I think that I, I kind of echo what Dave says there that, that Cody, is I think he's he's earned his his seat at the table there in the England squad. and obviously depending on formation, uh, depending on the different choices that that Gareth Southgate makes, I, you know, it's not unreasonable to think that that Connor Cody can go and start games and lead games. We've seen him captain the side before. Um, but also, I think Dave's right as well. It's taken a little bit of luck, a few decisions that people above him have made and, and the managers and certain situations in, in, in the team that he's been in for him to get to where he is. But at the same time, it's, it's grabbing the opportunity with both both hands and showing that you've got the quality to be there and stay there. So, yeah, just really pleased for him. And it's it's always nice to see a Wolves player in England. I mean, before Cody, who was that? It was Matt Jarvis, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Dave, you uh, in in the Wolves squad at that time when Matt Jarvis made his uh, debut for England. That was a big shock for the club back then, and it's just extraordinary how far we've come in such a short space of time, isn't it?
0: It is. It was amazing for Java when it happened, and I think still looking back, it did seem crazy that Wolves, a club that I was playing for, had someone in the England squad. We had a lot of Irish boys, we had a few Welsh boys, and me and Wayneo and Vokesy and, and people like that. Um, but to get someone in the England squad that shows how well um, the football club was doing at the time. More Javo, he was he was lighting up things on that left wing, wasn't he? He had a real good season the year we got relegated. On a personal point of view, deservedly got it. But again, he he only got one cap. Javo did, so it shows again how how good Connor is that he's not only got a chance, got a cap, but he stayed in there. He's been part of a Euro squad. He'll be a part of a World Cup squad. He's won the armband for England. Um incredible. And Wolf Signs must be so happy to to have their own player go into a World Cup, go into Euros. It's it's great representation for the club.
1: Yeah, yeah. buzzing helps the uh the club to bring in a higher calibre of players, which they may have struggled with in, in years gone by. We're not trying to be biased on our social media, we we are we did plug yesterday that you can get odds of five to two for Conor Crowley to be in the World Cup squad in twenty twenty-two. And for yeah. me, that's that's buying money five to yeah, two. It is because I, I said, I'd, and I really need to find some wood, touching wood. As long as he stays fit, I think he's on the plane because I think yeah. he's that good around the squad. I mean, I think Steve Holland said at the I that he was the most important player in the squad for the yeah. the, the mentality and the motivation, and the organisation
0: he was helping do, with the squad. Do you know? Do you know why that is as well? Especially in in a tournament um, and international camps is when when you're not playing you you you'll have sort of the match day the lads who didn't play the next day they're expected to train while the other lads are doing recovery and it can be a group that sulks a lot Do you know what I mean that they're annoyed they haven't played the lads might have won and they're in running the next day but I can just imagine Connor just driving standards in those those sorts of sessions and I think that's invaluable because you need a happy squad and I think he would massively help the manager and the the coaches um do that definitely
1: There was one thing that really scared me, kept me awake during the the last year I was Tom, is the the thoughts that if England went to a penalty shootout, that Conor Cody had to take one. And if you know his recent (laughs) um, record for wars and penalties, is isn't great, (laughs) is it?
2: No, no, No. I I agree. Um, I think that, I mean, that would be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I mean, you would like to think that if that happens again in Qatar, and God forbid he has to step up and he misses. There's just something about him. I think he's just got that mental strength to be able to to deal with those those big moments, and that would be arguably the biggest moment of his career and potentially his life. But there's just something about his character and and how positive he is and how much of a professional that he is that, you know... I mean, I'm thinking about it now, and if he had to step up, you... You would think that he had the belief that he that he would tuck it away, but as I said, you know, it, with re- with recent kind of historical form, you know, there is a doubt there. But I think he's got the I think he's got the mental strength to be able to either t- tuck it away or deal with it if it doesn't go that way as well. But obviously, I'd feel so so awful for him, and yeah, it, I I would be kind of living every moment of that with him as well. in fact, that's giving me a little bit of anxiety now. So maybe we should
0: move on. <laughs>
1: I think it's just one of those. Just uh, pick your spot and put your laces through. You, you, didn't ever take a penalty for Wolves, did you, Dave?
0: No, I took, I took three or four in shootouts um, for Wolves. But I remember the one game where I was in in that last season under Paul Lambert. I was on penalties from probably about the November time. We just didn't get one ever. I was, I was gutted. And we played Barnsley away, and um, I, sc- I'd scored. Officially one before half-time, but I thought it was two, but Courtney House had nicked one off the line from me. Um, so I thought I was on a hat-trick. We got given a penalty. So I've got the ball thinking, I'm going to score a hat-trick. Never done it before. This will be incredible. Must have stood there for about two minutes. Referee started deliberating with the linesman and they overturned it. And I was devastated. So I managed to get another goal that game, but it only worked out two. Whereas if I'd have had that penalty, I might have got my, my only ever hat-trick.
1: And that might have been the difference between you and Helda finishing joint top scorer in the
0: league yeah 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 i would have done helder deserved it he deserved it that season he carried us
1: he he did uh, from a technical point of view but your goals were just as key dave some some key goals that season the um the qpr one away i think was a was a big one and the finish was quite decent
0: yeah that was one of my favorites that season that was um Yeah, it was nice. I must say, it took a little bounce just before it got to me. I was going for bottom corner but it just bobbled a little bit and ended up going the top corner so it looked a lot better.
1: (laughs) Ever modest, Dave. Um, Gully in the comments section has just asked, can Dave shed any light on Wayne Hennessy's acrimonious departure in the wake of his 100th cap last night? I mean, most fans are still a bit salty about uh, how Wayne Hennessy left the club but 100 caps for any country is a great achievement, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I,
0: I can't even remember. The the scenario that he left under now um i remember oh is it was league one wasn't it and he didn't yeah, he didn't play he didn't, away. Pl- that's right he didn't play at gillingham away um was that just before january i don't i, I can't yeah i think he was january i can't i can't remember time, yeah. i can't remember the internet he was a today, premier
1: league goalkeeper in league one wasn't he dave Wolves fans never want to see a player leave but no, he was he shouldn't have been in that division should
0: they no and obviously he's Brilliant for the academy, come through, and he's got under caps for his country. I think the the academy can be really proud, and we were really lucky that that period of time. We had a real good run of goalkeepers, didn't we? We had obviously Matt Murray, who unfortunately had the injuries, but then we had Carl Iheanu and Wayne, who were the same age, both coming through, and that's some some standard of goalkeepers coming through the academy. But Aaron McKerrow never stood a chance, did he? I know, yeah, <laughs> it was always going to be tough. But but Wayne, he's he's a terrific terrific keeper, like top top draw. He's, very rarely makes a mistake he's usually really solid and he's been like that probably for all every every cap he's had for wales he's never let his country down just just really really solid um yeah it's class for him unbelievable
1: we spoke of um gareth bells fricking for wales earlier on What's should have you got any sort of um connection or, or working alongside uh tony roberts who's had a bit of big quite impact in both set pieces in war in both areas for yeah. wolves this season
0: yeah, T-Rob, you know, as he's known, um, he's he's a great guy. Obviously, I knew him from Wales and he was played a big part in the set pieces for Wales as well. He would take all the defensive and all the attacking ones and all the organisation before games, making sure everyone's aware of who they're marking and things like. So, really pivotal. Um, and I know the lads, I think in the world of Wolves, I spoke to Connor about him, absolutely loves him. He's, he's the life and soul of the place. He's that sort of character, really bubbly. Now speaking to John about him this morning, actually, um, asking what he thought of him. And again, John absolutely loves him, says his sessions for the keepers are, are so imaginative, keeps them on their toes. Um, yeah, and he, he's up there, one of one of the best coaches he's ever worked with. So brilliant coach, but so you don't usually get goalkeeper coaches be so um, involved in the set pieces. They're usually there and thereabouts, but so he, he takes every single detail for Wales. And I, I imagine he does the same for Wolves. And... But up until maybe the last few weeks, Wolves have been pretty, um, pretty unbelievable at, but well, definitely defensively. Um, didn't concede a set piece for a long, long time, did they this season? Um, so he's doing something right.
1: Game week thirty-one of the uh, Premier League starts this weekend. Liverpool kick it off at home to Watford, a point behind uh, Man City. I think this will be the the weekend Liverpool. Seriously, put pressure on Man City with Man City travelling away to uh, Burnley at three o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Wolves are home to Aston Villa, a game which probably key to Wolves is Man United at home to Leicester. Wolves could go uh, a point behind Man United if um, before Man United kick off to Leicester. Any game to stand out for you there, Tom?
2: Yeah, I mean. I guess the standout ones is, as you said, Liverpool are really going to put pressure on City. I can't see them doing anything else but win against Watford there as long as um, Salah gets his vision back after what happened last night. But um, other than that, I'm looking at those fixtures. That United-Leicester game, that's a tough one to call. I think that Leeds-Southampton game could be lots and lots of goals. Southampton on great form and, and Leeds, well. Wow. You know, we'll talk about them against against us a bit later on, but can really play some, some mad football at times and just go completely hell for leather. Um, but no, some good games. And, you know, we'll go on towards Aston Villa as well. But the one dead set I can only really see there is, is Liverpool-Watford. Brighton on a poor run form against Norwich. that That's a difficult one to call as well.
1: Brighton, if they don't... Uh... That's got to be their game to to seal their their safety, you think? But mm. losing to Watford on on Saturday puts them right. in. I know they've got a bit of a cushion, but uh, where's your money at the moment, Dave? On the three teams getting relegated?
0: I think it, I think it'd be that that bottom three. Um, the only ones I can see getting dragged into it is the Leeds and Everton. I think I think Brentford will pick up some results at home, so I think they'll they'll be okay. My only one I think Watford and Norwich will go. It's just Burnley. They, they always seem at some point in the season to just string a little run together. Um, they've been in trouble quite a few times, but Sean Dyche just go and win two or three on the banks and drags them out of trouble. Massive, massive pressure on Everton. You look at that game at West Ham. Huge. Um, that's going to be the interesting one. So I think it's three or five, but I think it will be that those bottom three. I don't know if Burnley have um pushed their luck already over the years, and this might finally be the one where they can't they can't put that run together.
1: That's my feeling at the moment, I think, like you just mentioned there Dave, I think Burnley have finally overstayed their welcome they've had a good good few sort of um great escapes, and that the strikers don't seem to be as uh, effective this season. dwight McNeil hasn't had uh, as productive a season as he had, as he's had in recent years um Where's your money on who's winning the title, Dave? One point between Man City oh. and Liverpool at the moment. It's going right, to, right game, going right to the last game of the season. Liverpool at home to Wolves.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd, the momentum seems to to be with Liverpool at the moment. But that when they when they play each other, that that'll be the decider. I I can't see them really slipping up too much all the way through. I think they put a lot of focus on on the league. I know they're still both in Europe, but. Yeah, it's too close to call, isn't it? Which is it's good, it's exciting. The last thing we wanted, which it looked like around Christmas time, was Man City to run away with it. So it's for the neutral, it's it's good to see. But just look at that table. I'm just more gutted with Wolves. Those few games they threw away last month, as oh, it's taken away the Kansas. running where really they could be right up in fifth above Spurs, couldn't they? Quite easy could have turned two of those games around.
1: I think it's so, it's so sickening, the the two defeats to Arsenal and the defeat to West Ham. If we yeah. would have um, just drawn all three of those games, it would have been yeah. just so much more uh, pleasant to look at. And yeah. the, the natural pessimism of Wolves fans at home to Villa on Saturday, 10 points in front. We keep saying, mind the gap, but I think that gap could, could get closer, couldn't it, Tom?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um...
1: You look at Leicester as well. They they've got three games in hand, on us ten points behind.
2: Yeah, I know it's it's scary. I mean, we could we could end up ninth. We could. Um, I think that I think the thing with the Villa game on the weekend is, as you said, the mind the gap joke's been going all season. But if Villa win against us, then it, it's just one of those really really trepidatious parts of the season. And fortunately, we have seen ourselves kind of slowly slip away from the running. I think the Leeds game was really just, it, it was a real, real kind of final nail in the coffin. And arguably, you know, in a reflection of that is that we probably don't deserve to be up there if we're going to throw away, throw away leads like that. And, you know, I I said, we'll come on to talk about that. But yeah, I mean, if Villa win on the weekend, then I think it's safe to say that we can probably uh, wave goodbye to, the Europa Conference League, which I know we've all all dreamt of seeing our team in since we were since we were young boys, but um it's one of those and it's football and I guess if we're going to take the kind of Welsh national team mentality, it's nice to just have a seat at the table and and be considered to wow well, people take us seriously as as, as contenders okay. at one point for the fourth spot so um overall can't be too depressed about it but um but yeah, a bit nervous about villa on the weekend.
1: You're able to provide much uh, optimism and encouragement, Dave, knowing the fact that we've lost Ruben Nevers for the majority of the season now and losing uh, Jimenez for the next two games.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's not as optimistic as I was a few weeks ago, but I think everyone. if Wolves can finish eighth, it's been an amazing season and what is a transitional year. I think at the start of the year, before, before a ball was kicked, I do think a lot of fans are worrying for Wolves. Would they be down there? Could this be their year? to um to get relegated but i think it's been another level to what it was like on the nuno um in the whole they've obviously been a few inconsistencies but that's that's to be expected so it's been a really good season and missing ruben neves in particular is going to be a blow i think i think he's been the best midfielder in the league this year i, I really do the most complete looking how he's developed how he's matured as a player um what a what a signing 15 million, absolute bargain when you look back. Um, but say he was he was just, it was a more of a punt back then, um, but he's come and he's fulfilled every little bit of potential we hoped he would have done and like I said, I think the last couple of years he's become a lot more aggressive. The defensive side of his game, he wins a lot more tackles, he reads the game a lot better, but then his ability on the ball, passing range, shooting from distance, just the he controls the tempo of a game um i think wolves have never had a player like that and say just hope to god that that they can keep him because any club in the world should be trying to sign ruben Neves. 24 years old can do everything he does already he's only going to get better like i mean every club should want him um and we're lucky he's, he's at our club and hopefully i know he loves the place um will that be enough to keep him long term i'm not sure um especially if Wolves don't match his ambitions and maybe go for it themselves a little bit, which reading comments in the week from Scott Sellers, it doesn't seem like they're going to chuck a lot of money at it this summer. Um, they're going to do it a little bit more strategically, which is which is fair enough. You wouldn't want to put the health of the club at, at risk, but Wolves need to keep continuing to, to build and get better and better to keep players like Ruben Neves. If not, as I said, every single club in the world will be waiting for him.
1: It's it still boggles me that he's still here after the season we yeah. didn't make Europe. So I mean, did, did you always travel in from Shrewsbury to day because I love Wolverhampton, but why does Ruben never love Wolverhampton so much? <laughs>
0: it's because he has an
1: experience Shrewsbury. That's <laughs> why he's yeah. He's travelled a bit further around uh, that that yeah. lovely Shropshire <laughs> area. What did you make of Scott Sellers' comments the other day, Tom, about if um if Bruno wants a player, but he doesn't, the the deal doesn't get made.
2: Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I can't say I'm completely surprised. I think if we look at some of the signings that we've made, and I think we can all agree that Fabio Silva, thirty five million, you know, it, it's not something that Nuno's just been thinking about, and 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 him putting that amount of money and that specific player as as a kind of key transfer target, and. I think we're seeing it time and time again. I mean, it's disappointing. Um, I kind of understand it, I guess. But it is frustrating as a fan who, as as Dave says, wants to keep those players like Neves and keep them happy and keep them ticking over because ultimately, and I guess I've never really thought about this before, but in a situation like a club, in a club situation like we have, we're not a Chelsea, we're not a Man City, we're not a Liverpool where there is that kind of, prestigious element to them where players just want to be there because they are a Liverpool player or they are a chance player. With Wolves, it could really go either way. As Dave said, we, we, we were kind of probably being spoke about being relegated at the beginning of the season. So it's really important that we sign the right players so we keep our best players too. And I don't think that is similar for the clubs above us. I think that clubs above us can keep those players because they are those bigger clubs. But with Wolves who... You know, there's an argument that we're maybe shooting above our weight or, you know, we we are we are exceeding expectations as a club. We need to make sure that that we're doing everything we can to keep those players in. and the Salah's comments, yeah, they worried me, I must admit.
1: I have gonna pull on your heartstrings for a moment here, Dave, because we've got a comment from Jack Mullins. Uh Dave Edwards was a top player for us. Shame he never got a testimonial fixture. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was not. I would say I was not there nine and a half years, so obviously just just missed out. It was actually eleven seasons I was there. If you kind of because I joined in January and left sort of once the season started, but yeah, it, it would have been nice. Um, but obviously couldn't stay around long enough. <laughs> Nuno, when Nuno came in, I kind of knew the writing was on the wall. So um, at that point, in in hindsight, it might have been worth me waiting on six months a year and, and trying to really knuckle down and, and get in the team. Because um, I still think I'd have played games that year. Um, but when I left, Wales were in a, a World Cup year and I thought my chances were going to be limited. I thought I need to be playing. And then from a, a financial point of view, I was off the back of my best season in a wolf shirt. And I thought if I'm going to move, now is the time to move and I can sort of... Um, a good contract somewhere, and and kind of that, that's what happened. And it didn't quite work out for me at Reading. Um, but yeah, big gut I didn't make that that 10 years, it'd have been lovely to have a testimonial, but never mind.
1: Got a great reception, though, didn't you? When you came back for Reading,
0: yeah, amazing. I've got such a good relationship with the fans, which is which is nice because during my career, it was very up and down, and I kind of just tried to stay focused and cut out the noise. But I do feel the last two or three seasons um when I was I think a bigger part of the dressing room because I've always been quite a quiet lad I think I'm not one who's going to shout and ball and, and things like that because I, I lived in Shrewsbury I would not and any other lads lived out here so I kind of go to training go back and I've got a real good group of mates at home who I socialize with all the time so I never really got involved in those football circles um, which I think helped me in general so I was never a big person in the dressing room until those last two or three years where I felt that I think after that relegation to League One I felt like I'd been pushed into a sort of a leadership role at the club um, and then I, I felt like I really thrived after that and enjoyed being a big part of such a massive football club I felt such a, an honor doing that um, and at times that that can take its toll because say when you lose games and put in bad performances, I was always the one, Dave, you go speak to the press, you go in front it. I was, I was kind of that guy, Um which was always difficult to do, but yeah, I so I love the way it evolved towards the end. I think by the time I left, it was perfect timing in a way that I left off the back of a good season and the fans, I think appreciated um I think the the work I put into the football. I wouldn't say ability and all those sorts of things has been a lot better players than me at Wolves over the last ten, fifteen years, but I think they they really appreciated my attitude to to playing for their football club. Um yeah and I was really proud to be able to wear that shirt for over 300 games. It was yeah incredible.
2: No, yeah. I mean from my perspective, Dave, I think as a football fan and I know with the the people that I watch Wolves with, um I think all you really want, particularly when your club's going through a bad patch, getting relegated and relegated again, is you want those players that are committed to the club and play and stand in front of the press and take the flak and still seem focused. And I guess what I can say is, you know, throughout my teenage years and into going into my twenties, you know, you were one of those players that, that was there, that was working hard, popping up scoring goals and and part of part of probably, yeah, the worst years of me as a fan at Wolves in regards to kind of where we were in, in, in the league positions and stuff, and it's it's safe to say that I think the rest of the fans see the effort you put in and and you know you're all heart and it's appreciated for sure. Yeah, I think it's from from being a personal
1: hardworking Dave. I think yeah. Ranton is a, a tough city. People work their asses off for not a great uh, income, and so seeing people who like yourself who are just honest, hardworking, just give 100% every game, whether, like you said, technically the best every single game as long as you can put in the effort team. I think that's what fans expect as a minimum for the money they to pay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And I think I was um, I was quite lucky being reasonably local to Wolves. I think I understood the, um, the dynamic of the city a little bit more than most people. I've got a lot of friends who work in Wolverhampton and like you say, Monday morning, Wolves lose. The offices in Wolverhampton are a nightmare. I've got, friends who kind of owners or managers at businesses. And they said Monday morning after Wolves lose, it is horrendous inside the office on the flip side. It's amazing if they win. So I think I understood, um, sort of how the people of Wolverhampton were a little bit better than a lot of people. And when we were going through that bad run, that double relegation, I had a couple of opportunities to, to move on and leave the club when sort of at the end of that championship season and the end of the league one season, um, I kind of knew how lucky I was to be at a football club of that size. It Anything I would have done would have been a sideways move. And um, I know I was under a lot more pressure at Wolves, but it's a huge, huge football club, massive. And like you listen to Connor talk about it now, it's he's, he's such a massive football club and being a one club city, which means everything to the people around it. I think I subconsciously knew that. And I thought if I'm lucky enough to be a part of it, I'm going to be here until they kick me out the door. And, and that's kind of what I did.
1: We um, we beat Villa a couple of times during your um, career at Wolves, Dave. What? How did you find the actual rivalry rivalry with Villa?
0: Um, it was good. I think it's very similar to the Birmingham one. That the, the West Brom one was always had the edge to it, and there was a you could the hate you could feel the hatred in a West Brom game. You really could. Whereas Villa, I always thought it was just the atmosphere you could feel more than anything else. It wasn't like yeah, Wolves baggies is just like you can feel the nastiness in the crowd. You can just feel that, but Wolves, Villa, Wolves, Birmingham, it just feels like a, a better atmosphere. Um, and I used to love playing at Villa Park. I thought it was, it's an amazing stadium, but I think where the where they put the away fans at Villa Park make it really special because they're on the lower tier. They've got that kind of corner, and because they're closer, to pitch, you can hear them a lot more than what you say, the Villa fans, and they're opposite to the whole end. So, that was always special playing there. Um, and then at, at Molyneux we've had some good games. I remember Joe, Joe Mason scored there one, one year when we, we won one Um I remember if I did score against Villa at Molyneux once in the Premier League, but it's when Robbie Keane scored that brace. Um, I have no where Carl Emery got sent off, didn't he, when we were 2-1 up.
1: Um, Emmanuel Frimpong, that first-half performance, was one of the best performances <laughs> I've ever seen in the World Show. He was ridiculous was, that first yeah. half.
0: He was. Is it, is it that game he got injured in? Or did he get injured in that game? Uh, was it the one he did his uh, eye in? Possibly.
1: yeah Henry, Henry a had a bit of a loose fuse, didn't he? And yeah. Mark, Mark Albrighton felt his wrath that day, I think it was. And then Bobby yeah. King just... That was World World game ridiculous finishes that day yeah. uh, you mentioned about Holt uh, Villa Park and uh, where the away fans are you can see uh, Connor Cody there in the bottom left-hand corner laughing towards the well screaming towards the Villa fans as we uh, gave it large after Ruben Nevers got the winner earlier on in the season What what's your sort of memories from that game Tom or was it a bit of a blur like me
2: yeah a bit of a blur really I mean I, I must admit I wasn't at the game, but I was following it on my phone. Um, I think I was out and about at the time. But I, I remember seeing it being being 2-0 and kind of resided myself to to the to the notion that, that we'd lost that game or we might be able to scrape a draw. But yeah, when I saw that notification pop up my phone and, and we'd won three two, I must admit it was probably one of my highlights of the season, even though I wasn't there to see, to see it myself. It's always good to get one over your rivals, particularly the particularly the Villa who, I mean, there's lots and lots being said about Villa at the moment from from all sorts of different people. And at the moment, there seems to be this kind of, this feeling amongst Villa fans that that they're now kind of knocking on the door and, and, and then this new kind of club that's now an established Premier League team and is ready to push on. I'm not convinced by that. Um, and I think it was good to to kind of put them in their place a little bit, particularly after that ludicrous John McGinn celebration. But there there you go. Um, but yeah, um, a good day, a good day for the Wolves.
1: How have you, what's your opinions on Villa this season so far? Dave? Obviously, Stephen Gerrard's coming after Dean Smith, the signing of Philip Coutinho. I would suggest they're moving in the right, the right direction as a club from an investment point of view, but 10 points behind Wolves at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I think they're in a better place than what they were. Last season, I think Steven Gerrard's a good appointment. I think he's progressed the football club. Um, But they spent a lot of money, haven't they? Do you mean when you look at them? And I think I do think with what Scott Sellers is saying and Wolves' approach to things, I do think the long-term health of Wolves will be a lot better. And I think they're building a stronger foundation to kick on from. They're not they're not willing to go and break the bank just to try and just get into that. Whereas I think Villa. They've done that. They've taken quite a few punts on on big money signings, um, and I say for for what for the players they've got there, I do think they should be doing maybe slightly better than what they are. But they are a work in progress. But I think Wolves um, as a football club is in a lot lot healthier and a lot better place than what what Villa are at the moment.
1: What's your feelings on esports, Dave?
0: On esports,
1: you got a young lad who must be involved in yeah, that sort of I... area, mustn't he?
0: He loves it, yeah. He loves his feet from Fortnite.
1: What's the. I said, have a look at the form table. Obviously, Villa have won three out of their last five, Wolves have won two out the last five. Uh, you look at some of the stats on, on the right Wolves average 1.03 goals a game, at Villa average 1.41. Uh, Wolves have got more clean sheets, which I think was one of Villa's main, um, sort of attributes to where they finished in the league last season, but. <sighs> How do you see this game going, Tom?
2: I'm nervous, mate, I must admit. Um, it's a really, really hard one to call. Uh the the thing with wolves at the moment, for some reason, I, I'm just thinking back to the Leeds game, and I can't remember the last time that happened in at home. Comfortable Leeds and just just throw it away. Um and going into this kind of game against Villa, which is going to be a huge, huge game. It, it, it's going to be one of the biggest home games of the season. I would like to think that we'll win, but I really can't call it. I really can't call it. And, you know, I'm I'm having these kind of little devil on my shoulders telling me that that maybe Villa could nick it. But the optimist in me is saying, well, wow. I'm thinking it's going to be 1-0, maybe even 0-0. It's going to be a tight fixture. Um I think particularly because we're missing Jimenez, and we're missing Neves, and you know Neto and all the rest of it. It could be a fairly, it could be a fairly, um, I don't want to say weak starting eleven, but definitely not our strongest. And that at team, sort of um,
1: lineup there from from last game, like you mentioned, Tom, we're going to have sort of Ruben Neves and and Jimenez missing. Do you do you see the back three staying the same? Uh, Bolly, Cody, and Sace.
2: Yeah, I mean. Maybe it, it might be good to get Kilman back in. Bolly played yesterday, didn't he, for the Ivory Coast. Um, so maybe I could see Kilman being switched back in. Um, but, yeah, I know Say's played um, played on the week as well. Um,
1: yeah, he played last night, didn't he, as well. They um, sealed qualification with a 4-1 win over Democratic Republic of Congo. Dave, looking back when you were at Wolves and when you went travelling away for wales how much sort of mentally does a an international away camp have on you
0: i think it depends how you do um in terms of your results and things like that i always felt if i had gone away and we had done well for wales and i personally done well i'd come back with a real confidence and i think that that helps but on the flip side if you've had a tough time it can work against you The, the one negative is um that you don't get as much time on, the obviously, the training field. So Jose Sal will be thinking about what he wants to do all um, the last two weeks, how he wants to line up. And he's got to wait to see who's fit and who's available. But you don't get much time on the pitch. I think they w- they probably would have been back in today, if not tomorrow. And it's, it's not a lot of time to get your work done. But Villa are in the same situation. Um, but I always, I, that, that first game after international break is a little bit more difficult. And I think Wolves, when you look at the Villa game last time that was that that was straight after an international break as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and they, it was. were, they were quite poor first half. Wolves got off to a slow start, so they need to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, in terms of how the game goes, I think it's it's, it's really difficult when you lose a Matina or you lose a Nevers they're not playing. I think Wolves struggle because I really do like um, Leander Dendonka, but I don't think he he plays well in a two. I think he needs to play in a three so he can. Use his legs a little bit more to break forward. He's got to be a lot more disciplined in the two, and then that's not that's not his game. You need you need ball players in there when you go play a two. If you're going to be a possession based team like Walls, you need someone to sit in alongside Jai and and keep the ball moving. Um, I just don't think it fits into the way Walls want to play. Um, but he's got no other options. He'll, I imagine he'll go three four three and play and play them two in there. Um, that would be my only concern that they don't look as strong when, when a Neves or a Matino doesn't play.
1: Uh Gully our uh, tactical analysis for the Wolves fancast has sent in his predicted team. He's got Den Donker and Martinho in it too like you've just uh reluctantly, reluctantly mentioned uh, Dave. How, how do you see the Wolves setting out as a, in in the front three? Uh Gully's got Poland, Fabio Silva and and Huang there. Did what did you make of Francisco Trinco's performance against Leeds? Do you think he's Deserve never start against Villa on Saturday. I mean, I think
2: I had to humble pie a little bit. I thought Trincão was brilliant when he came on. Um, whether he can repeat that, I'm not too sure. I think we have to look at him in the context of the whole season and, and not that game, which we actually eventually went on to lose anyway. Um, so his his good work was was in vain, really. But um, look, I mean, if we're talking about the season and how it's gone. And, and there is an argument that maybe we haven't got an awful lot to play for now. It could all change if we win this game on the weekends and results go our way. But I think I'd play Trin Kow just to see if he can do it again over Wang.
1: Dean Mars in the comments section has said uh, the same. I think Trinkau my might play over Wang depending on how Wang is after his travels. I think South Korea played Iran and the UAE in the last week and won both games. But they'd already sealed qualification to... Quatar Twenty Two. Like I said, the amount of Wolves players that could feature at Qatar Twenty Two is ridiculous compared to any we've had in recent tournaments. Uh, over the years, you look at sort of uh, the predicted lineup for Villa. There, Lucas Digne played ninety minutes for the French side last night, so he's expected to come back in for, for Ashley Young, <laughs> Philip Coutinho's the uh, the big worry. Isn't he, Dave?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the one who can make things happen. He can make the difference. He looks like he's fully up to speed now as well, doesn't he? Um I think I, if they if they play that that team, I can imagine him playing more off the left and maybe Ollie Watkins going out to the right and Dannings through the middle. That's kind of how they look to line up last time when they were attacking. Um must say I like Ramsey as well. I think his legs in midfield have been very, very good for them and he's been a revelation this season. But Coutinho, if you can if you can keep him quiet, you you've done half the battle. Um he is their create their spark of creativity. So and that's, again, why it probably worries me that Wolves won't be playing three in midfield. Um, there'll be quite a few spaces down the sides of, of Dendonka and Martino. And I think it'll um, it'll be difficult for the back three because there's going to be points where they're going to have to come out and engage. And you, you can see in the past, Wolves don't necessarily like that. They like to be in a flat line. They like to be narrowed together. But if they're having to jump out and, and try to get to Coutinho or trying to get to Danny Ings, who will drop into the pocket as well. I think that's where that extra midfielder would really help Wolves.
1: I pushed for it uh, a few weeks back, Tom. I'd I'd like to see Wolves go to a a three midfield. And and since his performance away at Tottenham, I'm not sure how he hasn't featured, but Luke Kundal back in a midfield three?
2: Kundalino, mate. It could happen. It could definitely happen. Um, I'd like to see it. I mean, as you said, I'm repeating myself, but there is an argument that our season is quote-unquote May be done in regards to chasing some kind of European spot, so it could be a good opportunity to get the likes of Kounde, Jorginho, get them, get them a little bit more experienced in on the pitch and, and playing in the Premier League, so that we can maybe utilise them a bit more next season. If what Scott Sellers is true, and, and we're not going to be signing a lot of big, big money, well, a lot of big money signs, and we, we might need to utilise those, those players more next season. So yeah, get them on and see what they can do.
1: I hate this part of the show but this is the part where I ask for your score predictions guys so try not to jinx Wolves but I'll come to you first Dave
0: I know go for a 2-1 Wolves there'll be, be goals and if Wolves come the right side of it and I think after being 2-0 up last uh, two weeks ago and losing I, I do think that Bruno Large learns from mistakes that he does make um, so I can't see that happening again so I think there'll be a lot more solid at the back so 2-1 What
1: about you Tom
2: I think it's gonna be one nil Fabio Silva penalty mins foul. <laughs> it's
1: it's my birthday weekend, guys. If if Fabio Silva who scored last night and I and I, <laughs> I put it on our social media today, he has to start Saturday because we need we need a focal point. I know he's still like bulking up as is he's a young lad, but we just need a striker in now how to play on the shoulder, just run the line. We need that focal point for me. There's no one else we've got who can do that um, apart from the boy wonder, Fabio Silva. Wolves have drawn four games a season. Villa have drawn three. I'm going for a nil-nil this Saturday. I just think I'm not sure where our goals are coming from unless Fabio Silva finally (laughs) kicks into gear and the rest is history. And he goes on to be the player that football manager predicted him to be. Dave, uh, tell us a little bit more about In The Stiffs and then I'll just show a brief clip of the show before we start our quiz. Um,
0: yeah, it's like I said, it's a podcast that me and two of my old Shrewsbury have, have started. We just wanted to give a bit of an insight to probably lower league football and so we've all played at completely different levels throughout our careers as well. So a real good range of what happens inside dressing rooms and stories and things like that. And then... More recently, we've had a couple of guests on. We had Conor Cody on, who was was great value. Trying to not just look for stories like you'd expect. Um, say a lot of podcasts do that, or a lot of um, sort of football podcasts do that. Um, they just look for the funny stories. You want to try and get a little bit deeper and kind of um, sort of make footballers a little bit more human and, and show that they're just real people and show that they are good people as well. Because you, you don't understand that when you're found that when you're sat next to him in the dressing room, they're just a normal lad. And we're trying to get that that across um, and obviously get an insight to things that, that people wouldn't know as well, things that hopefully Wolves fans would, wouldn't would have known about Connor Cody, things about the inner workings inside of, of Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I think that came across well. And then the Joe one, uh, Joe Hart one we just done, that was, yeah, that was incredible to record. It was over four hours of, of audio, um, sort of really went into... Immense depth of of his career, um, fascinating stuff. The highs, the lows, and again shows what a, what a good person. I think Joe more than more than Connor. I think he's got this reputation of, of being a little bit arrogant and things like that, just because of the way he's been portrayed in the media. And that is a million percent not true. He's he's such a good guy. Um, he's he's humble. He'll do anything for you um, as long as you treat him with respect. He'll give you all of his time, and I think that comes across really well in that podcast as well, so it's good to see, um, to get their own personalities out there as well, rather than what they're portrayed on the television as.
1: Yeah, I did really enjoy the um, the one episode of Joe Hart I listened to. I think you, you look at that one clip where, I think it was the one England tournament where he was bashing the um, the advertising boards, asking for the ball back, and you think yeah. he, he's a bit intense, but from from what I gather, is one of the most... Just light-hearted, just carefree sort of footballers you can find.
0: He is, and you speak to any of his teammates and they'll all say exactly the same. They all they all love him. They do. I mean, Matt Doherty messaged me a few weeks ago when he found out that Joe's on the podcast. He's like, oh, what an amazing guy he is. And he's got that reputation in football, but it's not portrayed to the the, the the average football fan because that's the way the media does crazy things do you know what I mean and especially when you're an England player especially when you're in England number one that they're going to be coming for you um, and that's kind of what's happened with Joe in the past but yeah lovely lad who just loves playing football at the heart of it he just loves playing football um, and that's kind of been taken away from him in recent years, and he's, I think he's found it hard to deal with. And he goes through that in the podcast, so it's it's fascinating.
1: You can find Dave Edwards, Gav Kerrin, and Sam Eyston at In the Stiffs on all the social media channels and and YouTube. We'll show a quick clip, which is how Connor Cody seduced Nuno on the plane, and then we'll do our quiz. And Nuno came in, yeah, and Nuno
0: loved you straight away,
1: didn't he? Yeah, I, I got on really well with him. Really, really well with
0: Somebody him. Somebody said, Connor, it was a lot, something about a plane journey or something from Austria or something. And that's when you met yeah. for the first time. This is you dropping, <laughs> <stories>? <laughs> <laughs> you dropping All stories? I can say is that all the lads were the back of the plane. These are right dropping stories. I <laughs> know. No. So Cota played right back the year before,
2: and then <laughs> like, not not out of position. Not not
0: somehow out of, he's got run of the mill. somehow he's got his um, boarding pass at the airport to go yeah. to Austria. He sat next to Nuno, spends two hours next to Nuno on, Nuno on the flight. Got
2: to cap <laughs> <laughs> play with the captain. Captain. Playing a sweeper. <laughs> hey, come on, Whatever you got to do, mate. Right? Whatever yeah. you got to do, it's doggy dog oh, out there.
1: you know what? That's about judge. right. It's a dog out there. Really enjoying the episodes. Again, At in the stiffs on all the social media channels, YouTube, and all the uh, reputable podcast outlets out there. We'll do our quiz now, sponsored by Pixel Yeti Media. I've got... Four questions this week, and it's predominantly Dave Edwards base. So, anything that Tom doesn't get right, Dave, I'll be expecting you to get it right. The first right. question, Tom: What shirt number did Dave Edwards wear when he first joined Wolves? Oh mate, <laughs> memories there, one? Dave scoring that goal uh, away at Scunthorpe.
0: Yeah, my debut that was.
1: John for the goalkeeper didn't have one of his yeah. greatest moments, but we no. all came down to Dave. <laughs>
0: No, and no, I played with Murph at Shrewsbury as well a couple of years ago, and I always reminded that He'd done me a solid favor there.
1: Set you on your way. Yeah. Shirt number, Tom, twenty-two. Oh, it was close, wasn't it, Dave? Right. But do you want to tell yeah. him the right answer? Twenty-six. Oof. Correct answer was twenty-six. We
0: had a big squad gonna... when I arrived in January, and that was the first one available. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna um put you on the spot again here, Tom, because you were uh, you forgot it. Well, I'm giving you the answer here. Who was number four at that time?
2: Number four at that time. Oh God! <laughs>
0: top player he was. Top player. Top
2: player. Number four. Top player. Oh God! This is really really great really <laughs> spot um,
0: Oh mate,
2: let's think about that. I don't know. Lee that? Oh no, he would have gone by then. I don't know.
1: You forgot about him two weeks in a row, Tommy. He saved
2: Right. man um, mate, you can't keep doing this.
1: <laughs> Sorry. This is how uh, my quiz go, Tom. So, um, there's a bit of a video where um, I think Dave will remember the goal, but everyone knows how the game ended when we beat Wolves 4-3 at Molyneux. But how did the reverse fixture finish that season at Ellen Road and who scored for Wolves? Was that an out-of-body experience, that goal, Dave?
0: that's the best moment I've had on a football pitch that was yeah yeah it was just incredible I remember saying after the game if you just bottled all that 15 seconds up oh it'd be incredible it was because it was so much it was Easter Monday wasn't it the game and that got us into the playoffs and we felt like we were the form team then we thought we was we was going to get in there and unfortunately it didn't quite happen we lost at Blues the following week which which killed us Um but with most ever points not to get in the playoffs weren't we 78 was it incredible
1: the blues defeat and the, the draw against Ipswich at home really stuffed us right, towards yeah. the end. That yeah. um was that obviously four three, the atmosphere was huge. Any other sort of atmospheres that stand out for you during your career at Molyneux? Um QPR when we won the league. Um that
0: was that was pretty special. Um yeah, that was I remember after Sylvan scored to take us one 0 up, the the next ten minutes was just electric in there um they said they were singing that we should not be moved song and it was yeah that was probably the the best one after that
1: I think we started singing that we can't, we cannot be moved away at Forest when we won one 0 when Kightly scored in yeah. every single game from that weekend. That it was like you said, that was just an iconic. It was all song on the flags, teased. wasn't it? And everything. We, we was not going to be moved once yeah. we got in that top spot. I mean, every time, I mean, we had a bit of fortune because every time we lost that season, Redding and B- Blues both lost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, we deserved <laughs> it in the end. You don't, you don't finish top of the league if you're, you don't deserve it. Let's go back to that question, Tom. Do you remember the reverse fixture from that season, Leeds against Wolves? Um, uh, what was the score and who scored for Wolves?
2: I'm gonna go one all Benikophobe.
1: Oh, you've gone way too ahead of there, haven't you? Dave.
0: I'm trying to remember which, which season. I've got a feeling, is it the one where he scored? Leon Clark.
1: It was Leeds one, Wolves two, yes, two. and Leon no, we... Clark scored the winner, like Dave just said. James oh, yeah. Henry got the other goal. That's bit right. of a bit of a. Um, I'm, so, I'm glad you remembered that game and who scored, Dave, because do you remember coming off at half-time?
0: Yeah, we were 1-0 down and <laughs> he went for... I was always the one, so I'd obviously I'd play a, a 10 usually under Kenny, so it'd be like a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one. and whenever we were losing, I'd be straight off and they'd bring a striker on to go 4-4-2 four, four, and that's what happened and it worked. Fair play and it worked. I think Liam came on, didn't he? Um, yeah, we were 1-0 down at half-time and then Lenny scored yeah. a scrappy goal then Leon scored and yeah, I remember him wheeling away to the wall stands, just to the right-hand side after he scored.
1: Played alongside um, Leon Clark recently at Shrewsbury.
0: Yeah, I was, yeah, for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, he was there. So still the same Leon. He's he's quite a quiet lad, but really, really nice guy and good finisher. He's had some career, really, when you think about when he left Wolves all those years ago. Um, he kind of went down the leagues a little bit but bounced back really well. Um, yeah, he's had a top career.
1: Question three: Who scored? Obviously, Sylvan Banks blake turned thirty-six yesterday. Who scored more goals in the FA Cup for Wolves Sylvan Ebanks-Blake or Dave Edwards, Tom?
2: Well, the man's here, so I've got to go, Dave
0: Edwards, surely.
1: Do you know the answer, Dave?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think if I scored, I remember scoring a, a couple against Fulham. Um, at Molyneux in the snow. Do you remember that game? Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I scored anymore.
1: The correct answer was Surely. Dave Edwards with two goals. Oh, it was just so two. Sylvain, <laughs> Ebanks, Blake did not score a goal in the FA Cup for Wolves. I, I found out yesterday. That's a shocking statistic. Nine man. times he played for Wolves in the FA Cup and didn't score once. But if you look back, we were pretty terrible in the FA Cup during yeah, the 2010s, do, weren't we?
0: Yeah, we didn't do well up until um, that season where we beat Liverpool. And then we had Chelsea in the fifth round, was it? We beat, St- yeah, we beat Stoke and Liverpool, didn't we? That was the only real cup run I had with Wolves. Yeah.
1: Quite a memorable cup run. I mean the 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 Stoker 2 0 away was proper unreal performance. Carly Keemie was literally a wall that day, oh, wasn't mate. it? Oh mate.
0: Unbelievable. Mark Owen had
1: Nightmares about Keemie,
0: I think. <laughs> um more, I mean, Morgan Gibbs White came on, didn't he, that game? Um for his debut only sixteen and then um Doc got a free kick, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Some some day that was
1: Unleashed his um, David Beckham that day. It was a ridiculous free yeah. <laughs> kick in the top left-hand yeah. corner. The last question is, and this is this is I'm, I'm not even expecting you to get this, Dave. It's a bit of a difficult one. In on August, uh, sorry, on 14th of January, 2008, Wolf signed Dave Edwards from Luton Town. But what Wolves defender left to join Leicester City on a free transfer that same window? We had a couple of questions as well, Dave, in the uh, on the on the Twitter. Do you regret the highlights?
0: Yeah course but it was very fashionable back then <laughs> me and me was it me Andy Keogh's Richard Stearman yeah well, the
1: uh, picture of you on the left there Dave I'm not sure whether it's like you envisaged that question before it happened yeah. <laughs> or whether you put a shift in that there <laughs> do you want to have a guess at the defender that joined Leicester City that same transfer Dave uh, joined so, um, Do do remember any defenders being a wave goodbye that January Dave Um Jamie Clapham is I can't knock you, down That's why we love you. You just, you working <laughs> Just get every, get all the basics right. You can't, <laughs> I can't knock you, down I remember just to get that. That's why I, I remember, came to you first.
0: Yeah, I couldn't remember him um, where he went to, but I remember him being there for a very short time when I was there. So, yeah, that was the only one I had in my mind.
1: <laughs> Thanks to everyone that's um, joined us tonight, uh Wars Fancaster part of the 90 dot com network. Just gonna put Dave a little bit on the, the spot before we end it night. I was gonna give you three Wars players during your Wars career. I just want you to either give like a one-word reply of what you thought of them or just a little story. First okay. one is Carl Emery.
0: Um Rash. <laughs> no, but no, more of a leader. Leader. Um, prop, proper captain, Car was proper captain. He would he would have the difficult conversations um, on behalf of the lads all the time. So even if it jeopardised, I remember the amount of times he went and spoke to Mick about things that the lads wanted to get across the manager. But he would have made himself kind of it would have made Mick question him. But he would always back the lads on every single occasion. He was yeah proper captain, and I think. When he got taken off him, I think that was a ma- that was probably Mick's biggest mistake. I think um, in in his time because Mick was unbelievable for the club, but should never have lost the captaincy, Carl.
1: Second one is Ruben Nevers, magician. <laughs> you, you can't describe him any any other way, can you, Tom?
2: No, he's ineffable. Absolutely, it's there's almost no words. Um, I think magician puts it puts it quite lightly um revelation as well for 15 million right like, absolutely.
1: If uh, our viewers will I'm, I'm imploring you to, k- to keep listening to uh, the In the Stiffs podcast. I've heard you just de- you describe Stefan Meyerhoff a day that can catch that in one of the episodes. The uh, the third player for me is Jeffrey Majanjibir beer. <laughs> oh, Jeff
0: <laughs> he had some talent in the boy did. <laughs> um loads of talent but yeah, he didn't like didn't like hard work. I don't think Jeffrey
2: uh, misunderstood.
0: <laughs> yeah, misunderstood. He was um. Yeah, he, he, he didn't speak much much English. He produced some um, absolute mad moments in training and brilliance, but you just you wouldn't have been able to play Jeffrey in a, or play him a lot in the proper game, just because you, there's no way you could you could trust him because I don't think he understood much English. And <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. If you if you go if you go into the last ten minutes of game one the up, he's not the sort of player you would trust to to dig in and track his full-back all the way. He <laughs> would just switch off and yeah, not the hardest working player.
1: That's it for tonight's episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for those who commented. Hopefully, we'll be back on uh, Sunday with a podcast. Hopefully, with a good result over the Villa. We'll catch you soon.